So on the side note, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're well. And in today's episode of Sid B Show, we're going to talk about the first round of the NFL draft from last night. But before we begin, I have a quick PSA announcement from the CDC. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay home and stay away from sick people, except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Thank you. So another quick thing, make sure you guys check out the IDK cast. They're a different kind of sports podcast that brings new light on old, new and controversial topics. They aim to bring you the truth in everything that can make you your best athlete. The IDK cast also covers the latest and greatest in football and basketball. So you can find them on any platform that you get your podcasts and make sure you check them out. So let's get on with it. So at number one, the Bengals took Joe Burrow. By all means, it seems that they were committed from him from the start after his 2019 breakout season. And he sometimes does lack arm strength, but that doesn't mean that he can't make every throw. What's what sets him apart from his competition is that how he gets to those throws. He sees and exploits the entire width of the field. He moves calmly, courageously, and craftily within the pocket and has good enough wheels to make plays outside of it. There is no t- task in Zach Taylor's zone-based, play-action-oriented offense that Burrow can perform. Getting him to quickly maximize the potential of those tasks will require better play offensive line and wide receiver. Areas which the Bengals could address later in the draft, possibly, or they could also improve with not doing anything. They have A.J. Green and 2019 first on left tackle Jonah Williams, who is now at full strength, returning back from injury. And next season, this could be a whole different Bengals offense. They could possibly be a playoff team. Who knows? Joe Burrow can do some magic. I think this is an A-plus pick. I mean, there's no one else the Bengals could possibly take. And Burrow's easily the best player in this draft. So at number two, the Washington Redskins took Chase Young, the edge rusher of Ohio State. So the Redskins, entering this draft, and defensive end wasn't one of their actual needs. They have a very talented 
group of defensive ends. They have Ryan Carrion, Montez Sweat, Matt Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen, and Dion Payne. So Washington did not need Young, but he's so good that it's pretty difficult to pass up on a player like him. And Jack Darby and Ron Rivera, they run a 4-3 gap-based zone-oriented scheme. And Young is going to be a pick who's going to outperform his expectations. This is another A-plus pick. He's going to be great, and NFC's quarterbacks have to be scared now. At number three, the Detroit Lions like cornerback Jeff Okuda at Ohio State. And no team played more man coverage than the Lions this past season, which is a philosophy that head coach Matt Patricia has brought over from New England. In that same vein, Patricia also puts a huge emphasis on matchups, having specific corners travel almost everywhere with specific receivers week after week. You must have a true number one corner to consistently do this. What reigning defensive player of the year, Stefan Gilmore, has brought to, to New England, the Lions hope Okuda will bring the same to Detroit. He's slightly a different style of corner than the physical Gilmore. What scouts like most about Okuda is that he's very agile to mirror wide receivers. The Lions, who like the multiple safeties helping in coverage, often instruct their corners to play in the low hip pocket of their man. Okuda shined with that at Ohio State. The only negative here is that Detroit GM Bob Quinn probably felt he could get a quality corner a few picks later, but he did not get an enticing draft package for him to trade down. Okuda's the first corner draft in the top three since Seattle took Sean Springs third in 1997. He can slide right into the role previously filled by recently traded veteran Darius Slay. The Lions, they could have gone multiple ways. They could have traded down. They could have taken a big man, but they decided to take Okuda. So I give this pick a B plus. So at number four, the New York Giants took the offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Everyone knew that the Giants would take an offensive tackle, but just not this one. There were a couple in contention for this number four pick. And I don't think Andrew Thomas should have been the one. I think it should have been Dedrick Willis Jr. But Thomas, he's not bad. He's pretty good. And I think most people expect in New York to trade down probably around the 10 spot. But... Dave Gettleman does not have a history of trading down. The Giants made it known that they were willing to deal, but obviously the right offer did not come along. So the Giants took their guy that they liked best. I mean, they seem to like Thomas. He's 36-inch arms. Strength, standout competitiveness, sound, sound pass bonking, mechanics, and overall composure. It will be interesting to see if the Giants view Thomas as a right tackle or a left tackle. And he could be playing right tackle as position for 2020 and could be playing left tackle for 2021. But I really do not like this pick. I give this a C plus. So at number five, the Miami Dolphins took Tua Tagovailoa. Early in the season, the phrase bang for Tua was widely connected to the Miami Dolphins. And ever since Tua had that injury... 
the Dolphins were lucky that Tua slid down to five. The Dolphins, they already have Ryan Fitzpatrick, so it wouldn't be surprising to see Tua be the starter halfway through the season. And if Tua was in the draft 10 years ago, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been picked this high because quarterbacks like him, they just weren't the best or considered to be the best of that time. And 10 years ago, people wanted stronger quarterbacks with a lot of throwing power like that. But in today's NFL, Tua fits perfectly. And um, for him to stay healthy, the Dolphins have to keep him covered and make sure he stays healthy because his hip is reportedly healed, but there's time for it to get even stronger. So I give this pick a B plus and not an A, even though I'm a pretty big Tua fan, but it makes sense. At six, the Los Angeles Chargers took quarterback Justin Herbert out of Oregon. For the Chargers, this is a good pick. I mean, they need a quarterback. They already have Tyrod Taylor. And they let go of Philip Rivers to the Colts early in free agency. But Herbert, he has some work to do. He has a gray arm, but sometimes it can go a little haywire. And uh, not like Josh Allen or Cam Newton, but there's some work to do. And the Chargers, they have a pretty good offense. They have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler. So they have a pretty good overall offense and this could potentially be a playoff team in the next season but I only give this pick a B at 7 the Carolina Panthers took Derrick Brown the defensive tackle and there's a new coaching staff in Carolina but the draft philosophy has stayed the exact same which is taking big strong defensive tackles early in the draft but the question is is that athleticism far enough to make him consistently a high-level pass rusher. No one knows how dominant he could be, but he's a top-ten pick, and pairing Brown and Kawan short will at the very least make the Panthers dominant inside and make life easier for Luke Keekley's replacement, whoever that may be. I see this pick. It's not great. I think they could have taken Isaiah Simmons, but I give this a B-. minus. The Arizona Cardinals selected... Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker out of Clemson. So most people expect him to go seven to the Panthers or even earlier, but once he started slipping down, people didn't know where he put where he would play. And Arizona seems like a pretty good fit. He will fit in perfectly with Arizona's three four one gap base scheme. And no one knows whether Simmons is gonna play as a cover linebacker or a hard hitting safety, but Pairing it with Bubba Baker, it's a pretty dynamic move. And it will help a defense that has struggled struggled mightily over the past few years, and especially on third down. But I give this pick a B plus. At 9, the Jacksonville Jaguars took C.J. Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida. So this is a pretty good pick. The Jaguars look of A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. So it was a gap that needed to be filled, and C.J. Anderson was the guy. He was the second-best cornerback coming into the draft. And the Jaguars, who play a lot of zone coverage, 
they don't need to spend a lot for a cornerback, but Anderson, he was too hard to pass up on. And he can do it all. He can do press man and mirror technique coverage. It's a pretty good pick. I give this an A-. minus. So at 10, the Cleveland Browns took Jeddus Willis Jr., the offensive tackle from Alabama. So the Giants' surprising selection of Andrew Thomas, the Georgia tackle. Willis slipped down all the way to 10, and this is a great pick by the Browns to pair him up with Jack Conklin. And in today's NFL, the delineation between left and right tackle means very little. So the Browns can base these decisions strictly on what's best for the players. Willis, he pans out quickly. The Browns' offense could certainly meet expectations that he was placed on a year ago. And Baker Mayfield will have the protection he needs. And under new head coach Kevin Stefanski, throwing more to familiar Odell Beckham working on a balanced run game headed by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's a 25-point-per-game type lineup, but this is a very good pick. I give this pick an A. So as we continue to analyze the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft, I'm not going to go through every single pick of the first round, but there are a lot of surprising ones, and I'm just going to point out which were good and bad, which were surprising picks, and I'm also going to go through some trades. So at 11, the Jets took Mackie Becton. I honestly thought the Jets would take a wide receiver like Judy or Lamb, but I think the Jets needed a, an offensive tackle, especially the fact that at the end of last season, they played four backup offensive tackles, so this is much needed. At 12, the Las Vegas Raiders took Henry Ruggs to third. People knew that the Raiders would take a wide receiver, just not this wide receiver. He has a lot of speed, and I'm pretty sure he ran a 4-2-7 at the NFL Combine. Most people expected Judy or Lamb to go here, but Ruggs being the first wide receiver off the board is pretty surprising. The Bucks and 49ers traded the 13th and 14th pick to each other. And the Bucks took Tristan Wirfs at 13 to provide some more protection for Tom Brady. And the 49ers took defensive tackle Javin Kinlaw at 14 to replace DeForest Buckner. And best case scenario, he can turn into a Chris Jones type of force. At 16, the Atlanta Falcons took Cornerback A.J. Terrell. The Falcons' biggest need entering the draft was an edge rusher, and they didn't take one. Taking Terrell was pretty surprising. I don't think anyone expected him to be a mid-first-round player, but I just didn't like this one. At 17, the Cowboys took C.D. Lamb. This is an amazing pick, and Lamb will be able to fill the role when Cobb left during free agency, so now the Cowboys have a very good wide receiver core of Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, and now Dak Prescott has another weapon to unleash on offenses. The Raiders took cornerback Damon Arnett at 19. Most people did not expect Arnett to be a mid-first-round pick. Most people, including me, expected him to be a 
late second or early to mid third round pick, but it's not a bad pick. Priu provides some more coverage on defense. So the Eagles selected Jalen Rieger at 21, and this was a bit surprising because Rieger's draft stock rose a lot over the past few weeks. And the Eagles passed on a lot of great wide receivers in T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, and especially Justin Jefferson, who went one pick after. And it's not a bad pick. Jalen Rieger has a lot of speed. He's pretty good, but I wouldn't take him in the first round. One very surprising pick was Jordan Love at 26 to the Green Bay Packers. And it was very surprising. Baron Rodgers, he's only 36 and is still very elite. And it shows that this pick, it's for the future, but it definitely has Aaron Rodgers fuming right now. As many expected, the Packers to get some out because Devontae Adams cannot be the only one to do everything. So, honestly, the Packers could have taken Cole Komet or another wide receiver in either T. Higgins or Denzel Mims, but I think Matt LaFer's relationship with their daughters just got a little bit worse. Another surprising pick was the Kansas City Chiefs taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 32. He's very good. He's, a, he's an LSU product, but he's not the number one running back in this class. I would take at least three running backs over him in Swift, Taylor, and Dobbins. But pretty surprising pick. And... There were a lot of players who had a lot of talent and were expected to go in the first one of the draft, but just fell. Some of the players drafted early in the second round will be considered as steals. And to start off, Xavier McKinney is definitely one of them. He was supposed to be mid-first round around the 15-16 range, and he just dropped. He's easily the number one safety in his class. And I guess that no one really wanted a safety. No one was in need of one. So it makes sense, but whoever gets him in the second will be very lucky. There is still a lot of talent left in this draft. You have Xavier McKinney, DeAndre Swift, Ezra Cleveland, Ross Blacklock, J.K. Dobbins, Antoine Winfield Jr., T. Higgins, A.J. Apensa, Yeter Gross Matos, Jonathan Taylor, Grant Delpit, Zach Bond, Josh Jones, Trayvon Diggs, Cole Komet, Denzel Mims, and so much more. So it will be a very interesting second and third round later today, and we'll see what happens. So we have this rookie draft projection from ESPN, and they say that Chase Young is expected to be a pro bowler in his rookie year. Jeff Okuda is most likely to be a starter in his rookie year. Isaiah Simmons is very likely to be a pro bowler in his rookie year. Jerry Judy is most likely to be a starter. Joe Burrow is most likely to be a starter. Tua Tagovailoa is also most likely to be a starter. 
wide receiver CD Lamb is projected to be a starter. Henry Henry Ruggs third is projected to be a pro bowler. DeAndre Swift is most likely to be a starter for Justin Jefferson. He's evenly projected to be either a pro bowler or a starter. There are a lot of other big names who are projected to be either starters or pro bowlers. Jonathan Taylor is supposed to be a pro bowler and J.K. Dobbins is expected to be a starter. And you have a lot of bright futures for guys like Cole Komet, who's supposed to be the starter this season. Guys like Damon Arnell could be who be a backup this season. And there are a lot of guys with a lot of talent, such as like Patrick Queen. He is projected to be a pro bowler this season. And Jalen Rieger, the wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, he is expected to be a starter. So there's a lot of talent. Guys can go a lot of different ways this season. You see guys like Judy and Lamb that are not projected to be pro bowlers, but Ruggs is. So anything can happen, and we'll see what happens. So let's quickly get into some NBA news. So apparently Kobe Bryant had an all-access film crew document his final NBA season with the Lakers. And after Michael Jordan's The Last Dance documentary from the 1997-90 season was proven to be highly successful, Bryant used a personal camera crew to film his retirement season. And the documentary will probably be released years from now. And it's unlikely that it's changed since Kobe Bryant's untimely passing. But I really do hope this documentary does come out. And Bryant, I think he would have he would have wanted this documentary to come out eventually. And the film crew that attended Lakers games, practice shoot around and received permission from the NBA to shoot limited content of NBA games. But he was right out of cameras in the training room when Brian was sick of being examined because the camera crew was there every day. And the highlight of this documentary would probably be Kobe's last game, which was against the Utah Jazz. He scored 60 points that night, and it was definitely a game to remember. Next, we have this 2010 NBA draft redraft from Bleacher Report, and teammates were not taken into the scout for this redraft. So here, so at number one, the Washington Wizards take Paul George. The actual pick was John Wall, and George was drafted 10th to the Indiana Pacers. Paul George, his career turned out to be the best out of all the players in his draft class. He got a great opportunity with Indiana and got a lot of early playoff experience and soon made him one of the best two-way players in all of the NBA. And especially in 2013-14 when the Pacers battled with the Heat in the playoffs and ever since his gruesome leg injury he's able to rebound back and he's had a couple of great seasons especially last season 
with the OKC Thunder. He definitely had a top five MVP season. And so for this season, which has been put on halt, he's gone back to having quite a lot of injuries. But Paul George on the Washington Wizards is pretty good. John Wall will go second to the Philadelphia 76ers. The actual pick was Evan Turner, and Wall went number one to the Washington Wizards. The consensus number one pick at the time, Wall lived most of his time. And in the first years of the Wizards, after missing most of the past two seasons with major injuries, he's extremely fast and very explosive. And he made five straight All-NBA team from 2014 to 18 and was named third team All-NBA in 2016-17. And in 2012, the Wizards got the third pick and drafted Bradley Beal. So the duo of Wall and Beal was very good. But having Wall go to the Sixers, it would change a lot of things. And with the third pick, the New Jersey Nets would take DeMarcus Cousins. And they actually took Derek Favors, and Cousins went fifth to the Sacramento Kings. Fourth, the Minnesota Timberwolves would take Gordon Hayward. The actual pick was Wesley Johnson, and Hayward went ninth to the Jazz. At fifth, the Sacramento Kings would take Eric Bledsoe. The actual pick was DeMarcus Cousins, and Bledsoe actually went 18th to the OKC Thunder and was later traded to the LA Clippers. At sixth, the Golden State Warriors should take Derek Favors. The actual pick was Ekpe Udo, and Favors' actual draft spot was number three. At seven, the Detroit Pistons take Greg Monroe. The actual pick was Monroe, and Monroe's actual draft spot was seventh to the Pistons. The LA Clippers should have taken Jeremy Lin at eight, but instead took Alfred Camino, and Lynn was actually unsigned and later signed with the Golden State Warriors. At 9, the Utah Jazz should have taken Alfred Camino. The actual pick was Gordon Hayward, and Aminu's actual, actual draft spot was 8 to the Clippers. At 10, the Indiana Pacers should have taken a song Whiteside. The actual pick was Paul George, and Whiteside went 33rd to the Sacramento Kings. So as we head out of the top 10, at 11, the New Orleans Hornets should have taken Ed Davis. At 12, the Memphis Grizzlies should have taken Evan Turner. At 13, the Raptors take Patrick Patterson. At 14, the Rockets take Lance Stevenson. At 15, the Milwaukee Bucks take Avery Bradley. At 16, the Minnesota Timberwolves take Trevor Booker. At 17, the Chicago Bulls take Nemanja Bielitsa. And at 18, the OKC Thunder take Ish Smith. At 19, the Boston Celtics take Wesley Johnson. At 20, the San Antonio Spurs take Bowen Marjanovic. At 21, the OKC Thunder take Grievous Vasquez. At 22, the Portland Trailblazers take Epe Udo. At 23, the Minnesota Timberwolves take Larry Sanders. At 24, the Atlanta Hawks take Landry Fields. At 25, the Memphis Grizzlies take Quincy Pondexter. At 26, the OKC Thunder take Hulk Aldridge. At 27, the New Jersey Nets take Jeremy Evans.
28, the Memphis Grizzlies take Luke Babbitt. At 29, the Dallas Mavericks take Jordan Crawford. And at 30, the Washington Wizards take Kevin Serafin. So that round rounds out the redraft of the 2010 NBA draft. So as as many of you saw, the last dance documentary last Sunday, Scottie Pippen's relationship with the Bulls front office was not that great. And he honestly should have been traded. So today, from Bleacher Report, we have four Scottie Pippen trades that would have changed her everything. So this trade to the Suns was proposed by Scottie Pippen himself during the 1995 trade deadline. And in today's NBA, you won't really see a trade proposed by the NBA player himself. So here's a trade. Scottie Pippen to the Phoenix Suns for Dan Marjorie, Wesley Person, and two first-round picks. It's a pretty good trade. Scottie Pippen was third in MVP voting and was the fifth highest paid player on the Chicago Bulls team. He said that he's heard a lot of rumors and that Phoenix would be the place. It's his paradise. He could see them competing as Charles Barkley wasn't getting any older. And he he thinks that he would have made them a championship contender. So the next trade is a draft night trade. Scottie Pippen to the Raptors for Tracy McGrady. Jerry Krause was still eyeing the next year of Bulls basketball. Jordan was 34, Pippen was 32. Pippen was going into the last year of his seven-year, $18 billion contract and was definitely seeking a raise. He wanted to leave, and the trade of Pippen to the Raptors would have been a very good trade. Krause wanted McGrady so badly, so this trade would have worked out both ways and it would have probably brought success to both teams. But for the Bulls, they probably wouldn't have won another championship. So the next trade, it's a pretty confusing trade. It's Scottie Pippen and Luke Longley to the Boston Celtics for either the number three or number six overall picks in the 1997 draft or the number three pick in Antoine Walker. This, this trade could have gotten a lot of like scrutiny and could have gone a lot of different ways. Rick Pitino was the Celtics head coach and had hopes of getting Tim Duncan first overall. Boston had the best odds for the first pick entering the lottery, but the Spurs ended up getting Duncan. And that's where Pippen came in. He, he of course, wanted to trade and he was wanted everywhere. Boston was seeming like an ideal place for him. This last trade is pretty much a blockbuster trade in 1994 involving Sean Kemp and the Seattle Supersonics. So the trade is Scottie Pippen, Will Purdue, and the 21st pick in the 1994 draft to the Seattle Supersonics for Sean Kemp, Ricky Pierce, and the 11th overall pick in the 1994 draft. This is one of the major trades that involved Pippen to surface. Michael Jordan retired the year before the first time, and Pippen was a new face of a Bulls team that finished 55-27 and and lost in seven games to the New York Knicks. No longer looking like a title contender without Jordan. 
the Bulls wanted to remove Pippen and getting back Sean Kemp was pretty good and Pippen would pair up in with Gary Payton with the Seattle Supersonics.